Well, actually, let's start in John 10. And we'll start in John 10 first, then we'll go to Romans. I encourage you guys to look at your Bible or uh, look at a friend who has a Bible because they're more spiritual than you are. And uh, joking, kind of. Um, and uh, let's read these verses together. So we're going to start in John 10. Now we're going to continue our series about the Holy Spirit. We've been calling it Fresh Air, talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in John 10, in verse 1, now this is red letter, Jesus speaking. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, he climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him who is the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep, notice, hear his voice. Could you underline that? Hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Come on, know his voice. In verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from them, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now let's look at verse 27, same chapter, John 10, 27. Red letter Jesus, again, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Now let's look over at Romans 8. We'll start there in Romans 8. In verse 14, Romans 8, and we're going to start in verse 14. Now we're talking today about how God speaks, how God speaks. Romans 8 and verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now we've been talking about the Holy Spirit on Sundays. These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. But notice it says, for we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received a different spirit. Just like we talked about last week, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love in a sound mind. In verse 16, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is How God Speaks. How God Speaks. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. How God speaks. Now, this is probably the most asked question in all of the world is how do I hear God speak? How do I hear the voice of God? Now, let me tell you a little bit uh, something about hearing the voice of God first. Now, I'm going to use this example. Now, many of you know the Verizon commercials that used to be around. Now, Sprint has paid that same person millions and millions of dollars. So he's no longer with Verizon. He's with Sprint now. But back in the day, the guy on the Sprint commercials used to be the guy on the Verizon commercials. And he had famous commercials, and uh, the catchphrase he would say is, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And he'd have his cell phone up, and he would be walking around. He would be, like, in, in London uh, talking on the phone, and he'd say, can you hear me now? And so he's trying to get better reception. So then he would go to Paris and go to the Eiffel Tower, and he'd say, can you hear me now? Then he would be in the desert somewhere, and he'd say, can you hear me now? And then he would be, you know, in Antarctica uh, uh, with all this snow around him, and he would say, can you hear me now? And the whole commercial was about service, your phone service. Because how many know as cell phone users, which we all are, cell phone service is a frustration to most of us in here. Now, guess where the worst cell phone service is in the, in the entire church? You want to know where it is? This office right here, which happens to be the place where I spend majority of my time of my life. The worst reception is in that room right there. Not only is there hardly any Wi-Fi signal, but there's no regular phone signal. So that's why when most people call me in that office... It's a questionable conversation. Nobody knows what's being said. And usually I have to walk out the side door and start talking on the phone. Because the worst reception is that room right there. 
that room right there. I'm not bitter. I'm better. <laughs> it's taught me patience. It's taught me love. It's taught me kindness. Now, I have AT&T. I have AT&T. God bless AT&T. The AT&T company has been such a blessing to our church. That's all I'll say about that. Not the people that work for AT&T, but the the bigwigs at AT AT&T. So uh, the worst cell phone service is in that room. And, you know, the point of the commercial was he was trying to get in a place where he could hear because there wasn't good reception. There wasn't a good signal. Now, majority of times with our cell phone service, it's, it's not our cell phone. A lot of times we blame our cell phone, don't we? We get mad at our cell phone. We, we want to throw it down. The dumb cell phone, it's the, the cell phone's fault. We want to throw it at somebody. We want to yell at the cell phone. Maybe somebody on the front row. But it's not the cell phone's fault that you can't hear the person on the other line. Well, I'll tell you whose fault it is. Because I know your house, too, has the worst reception ever, too. The problem is we're not in a place where we're getting the right signal and the right reception. So that means we have to move to get in a place where we can hear. So the guy from uh, Verizon, who's now in Sprint, had to move to get the right signal and the right reception because he can't complain at his cell phone if he's not in a good place to hear. The same is true for us. It's not that God is not speaking. That's not true. It's not that God is not speaking because he's always speaking. He's always talking. He's always trying to lead us. He's always trying to guide us. The problem is we are in the wrong place to get reception. We're in the wrong place to get a good signal from God. We have too many distractions. We have too many voices. And a lot of times we're blaming God and we're blaming other people. But that's not the problem. The problem is we need to move into a position to hear the voice of God. Come on, are you getting something so far this morning? If we want to hear God speak, we have to move into a position to hear his voice. And most people are not willing to do that. And they will complain the rest of their lives that I can't hear God speak and I can't hear God's voice. It's because you are unwilling to move to get better reception. And until you move to get better reception, you will never hear God speak. And if you do, it's by accident. Let me tell you a good example. We're going to summer camp. We get in summer camp, there's no cell phones. There's no Netflix. There's no internet. There's no iTunes. There's no distractions. Now, people are shaking on the floor with withdrawals for those five days. But they realize after a couple days, they don't need it and they don't miss it. And what happens every year at summer camp is everyone hears from God clearly because they put themselves in a position to get the right signal. And the reason they don't hear God in their everyday life is they don't put themselves in a position to hear God in their everyday life. There's too many distractions. There's too many voices. There's too many things going on. So God is speaking, but you can't hear him. The same God that speaks for five days at summer camp is the same God who's speaking all year long. Same God. What's the difference? You put yourself in a position to hear him. But that same God can speak to you every day. He can speak to you every week. But notice what you have to do. You have to move to put yourself in a position to hear him. Come on, are you getting this today? And and that's what it's missing because so many people say, well, I don't hear the voice of God. Well, he's speaking. You just haven't put yourself in a right place to hear him because he's always talking. It's not that God is not speaking. It's we aren't listening or we're not in a place to hear him. We're not putting ourselves in a position to hear the voice of God. A lot of people say it's hard to hear from God. Well, I wouldn't say it's hard to hear from God, but it does take practice to hear from God. 
you have to learn to hear the voice of God. You have to learn to hear the voice of God. It takes practice like anything else you're good at. It takes practice to become good at something. And it's not hard to hear the voice of God. Let's all stop saying that because it's not helping us when we say that. You might feel like it's hard, but don't say that. But it does take time. It takes training. It takes learning to hear the voice of God. I was thinking about this with, um, with music. If you grew up playing on out-of-tune instruments and then somebody played an instrument that was in tune, you would think the in-tune instrument was wrong because you have learned and trained your ear to hear the wrong tune and the wrong voices. And it's going to take you time to learn now what's the right voice and what's in tune if all you've done is grown up hearing something that's out of tune. And that's the same for us. Majority of our lives, we've been hearing the wrong voices, that are out of tune, that are not teaching us the ways of God, that are not uh, the Spirit of God speaking to us, and we have trained our ear to the wrong thing. So guess what? It's going to take time and training to turn your ear the right direction to know what's in tune. And that takes time. Somebody who have has learned music and, and learned it the wrong way, it would take them time to turn that to hear the right thing when they've trained their ear in the wrong direction. And it takes time for us to hear the voice of God. It says in the New Testament that there's many voices, none without significance. Many voices. That means that every day of your life you hear hundreds and thousands of voices talking to you. You have your friends talking to you. You have your family talking to you. You have your school. You have your work. You have internet. You have Netflix. You have music. You have media. You have the enemy speaking to you. You have the world speaking to you. And then you have God trying to speak to you. And most of the time, you can't hear God's voice. Because all the rest of those voices cloud out and drown out the voice of God in our lives. And so we have to take time because we've been training our ear on the wrong voices all these years to train our voice to the right tune and the right voice since we've been listening to the wrong things majority of time. So I'm going to try to give you some practical advice today and wisdom from God's word on how God speaks. Now, this is not all the ways God speaks because God, you can't put in a box you can't say, well, God will only speak this way. No, he's God. He can speak and do whatever he wants to do. But these are some primary ways that God says through his word on how he speaks to us. So, uh, Proverbs 20 and 27. Let's look over there. Proverbs 20 and 27. You guys getting something so far today? Proverbs 20 and 27. Proverbs 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, this is something we need to establish at the beginning of this. How do we hear God speak? God is a spirit, and the real you is a spirit. So God is going to speak to your spirit. That's foundation number one. God is going to speak to your spirit. Now, he's going to speak to your spirit because that's who you really are. And that's who he is. God is a spirit, and he created us in his likeness and image as a spirit. So God is going to talk to your spirit. Now, we are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are spirits, we have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. But the real us is a spirit, and you can't see a spirit. But that is the way that God is going to speak to us. He's a spirit, so he's going to talk to our spirit. So realize, when God is speaking to us, a lot of times we try to get a signal with our mind. He's not talking to your mind. 
Now, not that he can't bring something into your mind, but he's not talking to your mind. Or we're trying to get us in a position so we can feel something with our body. And I believe you can feel the presence of God. Come on, amen? You can feel the presence of God. But we can't be led by just what our body feels because that is not the way that God speaks to us. God speaks to our spirit. He's a spirit and we're a spirit, so God is going to talk to your spirit. Okay, that's the number one thing we need to realize when we're thinking about hearing the voice of God. Now let's look over at Romans 8 in verse 14. Romans 8 in verse 14. So God is a spirit and he created us, and the real us is a spirit also. So he's going to speak to our spirit. He's not going to speak to our mind. He's not going to speak to our body. When he wants to talk to us, he's going to talk to our spirit. Romans 8 and verse 14. Romans 8 and verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. So real practically, the Spirit of God wants to lead us and guide us. And we read this a few weeks back, but in John 16, it says, in John 16 and John 14, it says, the Spirit of God wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. Lead us and guide us into all truth. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to talk to us. He wants to help us. He wants to lead us. And he wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. And it says in his word in Romans 8, 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So what it's saying here, with every decision we make in life, we have the potential, potential to never make another mistake. I knew it would be completely silent on that. We have the potential, listen, potential to never make another mistake. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us into all truth. So if we listen to him all the time, that means we would never make another mistake because he knows everything about everything, and he wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. The reason we make mistakes is we don't let him lead us. All right, I'll say amen for myself. Amen. I know that's true in my life. Every decision I made wrong was when I chose not to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him lead me. Every decision. I know for a fact that's what happened. I chose to not let him lead me and guide me into all truth. Now, how does he lead us? He speaks to us. He speaks to us. Now, we're going somewhere today. Stay with me. We have the potential to never make another mistake because the Holy Spirit knows all things. Now think about that. You should be encouraged leaving out today. That you have an advantage in your life that you don't have to make mistakes like you made before. If you listen to the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you, He will lead you into all the right decisions and all the right choices for your life and my life. So the Holy Spirit knows all things. And we've been talking about the Spirit-filled life. The spirit-filled life should be a spirit-led life. The spirit-filled life should be a spirit-led life. Now, a lot of times we don't put those two together. Because usually you're thinking spirit-filled, you're just thinking of a wild person. Spirit-filled. But if you're spirit-filled, you should be spirit-led. So that means if you act a certain way in church and you're excited, and you're expressive, which is good, that same Holy Spirit, you better listen to him on Monday. Don't just act that way on Sunday. And that's where there's a disconnect with a lot of spirit-filled people. They just act spirit-filled when they're in church. But notice, if you're spirit-filled, then you're going to be spirit-led Monday through Saturday, not just act a certain way on Sunday. And that's a promise for us that he said, when I fill you with my spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in you, he wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. And it says, those who are led by the spirit of God, we are children of God. And that's a promise for all of us that we can be led by the spirit of God every day. 
Every moment, every second, in the morning, in the afternoon, at nighttime, in the middle of night, God wants to lead us, and he does that through the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you getting something today? And he does that through the Holy Spirit. So we that are say we are spirit-filled or we have the Holy Spirit, we should be spirit-led. You see a lot of spirit-filled people, and they make rash, wrong decisions. And say they're spirit-filled. No, they're not. Spirit-filled person would be a spirit-led person, making wise decisions, making smart decisions, making godly decisions, if they're really spirit-filled. So spirit-filled means you're spirit-led. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. Now, we're not going to turn back over there, but we read at the beginning of this message in John 10 it says Jesus was speaking in red letter he said my sheep hear my voice I know them they know me and they follow me my sheep hear my voice my sheep hear my voice now he uses this all throughout the Bible as an example it talks about Jesus being the good shepherd and we are sheep he's the shepherd and we are sheep now He gives us this example because, you know, especially during that period of time, all they knew was agriculture and they knew livestock and everybody had sheep and there were shepherds everywhere. That's what they knew. So that's why he gave this example. And he says that my sheep hear my voice. Well, if he's the good shepherd and we are his sheep, how does he speak to us? How does he lead us? He leads us through the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one living in us. He leads us and guides us and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And the Holy Spirit is God. And it says that my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. You know, there's another example that Jesus gives. He gives the sheep and the shepherd. But if you know anything about sheep, He calls us sheep. Sheep are dumb. Yeah, they're sweet, but they're dumb. That's why they need a shepherd. Because they can't defend themselves. They can't help themselves. They don't even know where to eat. What kind of animal doesn't even know where to eat? The shepherd has to say, hey, sheep, go over here and eat this grass. Don't animals just naturally do that? No, not sheep because they're not smart enough to figure that out. He's saying, apart from him, we are that lost without God. We don't know where to eat. We don't know where to sleep. We don't know what kind of decisions to make. We can't protect ourselves. We can't clothe ourselves. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. We can't do all these things by ourselves because we are sheep And he is the shepherd. And we can't do anything apart from him. And trust me, all of us think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Now, I know I was making a joke about being dumb. I'm not saying you're dumb. You're not stupid. I'm not saying that. But sheep, they need to be led. They need help. That's what the point he's trying to make. They need security. They need a shepherd. They need somebody to help them because they can't do it by themselves. And we can't do it by ourselves. That's why we need to hear God speak. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit of God. Because he wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. It says about the Holy Spirit in John 16 that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will take what Jesus is saying, and declare it to you, the good shepherd, to lead you and guide you into all truth. But the interesting thing is, notice Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. Now, he's saying that because sheep might not have it all together. They might not be the brightest animal who ever existed. But they are good at one thing. They are good at following the shepherd's voice. There could be sheep on a hill with thousands of other sheep and hundreds of shepherds. And trust me, 
the sheep are smart enough to know which shepherd is the right shepherd. It's amazing because they don't know a lot of other things in life, but they know the voice of the shepherd. Sometimes the shepherd, all he has to do is whistle, and they know the shepherd's whistle. Out of hundreds of shepherds, the sheep that belong to that shepherd know his voice. And it should be the same for all of us. We should know the voice of God. We know which one is the right voice, and we know which one to follow, and we know what is the wrong one. If sheep can do it, how much more we can do it? (laughs) So think about this. We are his sheep, and it says in the word that we know his voice in a stranger's voice we don't follow. So imagine there's a sheep, or there's, there's a hill with thousands of sheep, and hundreds of shepherds, and they could all be mixed up together, hanging out, eating grass, telling sheep jokes about people counting sheep when they go to sleep, you know, whatever they're doing. And so they're telling sheep jokes, they're having a good time, they're eating grass, they're hanging out, and one shepherd says, hey guys, come on. And only the ones that belong to that shepherd go, and the rest of them stay. It should be the same for us. And how does... God do that. He does that through the Holy Spirit in our lives. He leads us and guides us and talks to us through the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us. Now, the Christian life should be a life about following, not leading. If you're leading your own life, you're doing it wrong. And it's pride to think that we can lead our own life because you stink at leading your own life. Is anybody honest to admit when you tried to run your life, you got nowhere and nothing good ever came of it? Because we're not meant to lead our own life. We're meant to follow the shepherd and let him lead. The Christian life is not about being a leader. It's about following the good shepherd because he does a better job leading your life than you do because he knows everything about everything and you don't. He's God and we are not. Come on. Can I get amen today? And so he wants to lead us and guide us into all truth, and we don't do a good job leading our life. Now, that goes back to the difference between Jesus being our Savior and Jesus being our Lord. Everybody wants the Savior part, but the Lord part implies that you're no longer in charge of your own life. That's the part that people have an issue with. Everybody wants salvation. Everybody wants to be saved. Everybody wants salvation. They want to receive the Savior, but Jesus came to be Savior and Lord. And Lord implies that he is in charge of your life now. And you are allowing him to lead your life and not you. And I realize that takes humility on our part to admit that we can't do it without him. But we can't. Most of you are smart enough to know that by now, whether you say it out loud or not. You know you can't do it by yourself. And we need to let him be Savior and Lord. We need to let him be the leader and we follow him because he knows what's best for us. And he knows all things that we need to know. And we need to allow God to lead us. Allow the Spirit of God to lead you. And notice we have to allow him to do that because he's a gentleman. He won't push you. The enemy pushes you but the Spirit of God leads you. There's a difference. When you feel like you're making a decision and you feel pushed into it, it's not God, it's the enemy. But since the Spirit of God, He wants to lead you, and He is a gentleman, He, you, he understands you have a free will, and He says, "I'm come on, I'm going this way, do you want to come with me? Now, you don't have to follow Him, but He's saying, this is the right way, come on. And He'll start walking. And he'll say, I want to lead you, but you have to allow me to lead you. Just like those sheep have to do to the shepherd. So God wants to lead us, but we have to allow him to lead us. We have to allow him to do what he wants to do in our life. So the Christian life is not about us leading. It's about us following him and his voice. Because he knows best for us. He's the good shepherd and we are the sheep and he knows the answers that we need. But we have to allow him to lead us. 
Once again, that takes humility on our part. To admit that we don't know it all. And we don't have the answers. But he does. And he wants to help us. So the Spirit of God will lead us. Let's talk about three things today. Practical. On how the Spirit of God leads us. Or how God speaks to us. Let's read Romans 8. In verse 16. Romans 8 and verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, the first way that God leads us or speaks to us is the inward witness. The inward witness. The first way God speaks to us is the inward witness. The inward witness is the peace of God. Is the peace of God. It's not necessarily God speaking to you in words, but he's speaking to your spirit, giving you peace when it's the right decision. And so the spirit of God gives us the inward witness to lead us and guide us into all truth. Now, it says in Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, let me ask you something today. How many of you are children of God? Raise your hand. Okay, who told you that? Who? I didn't force you to raise your hand. Who told you that? When I said that, what did you feel? You felt right down here, yes, that's right. And you raised your hand. You were just led by the Spirit of God right then. When I said, who are the children of God? Your spirit and the Holy Spirit right here said, yes. That's me, and you had peace about that, so you raised your hand. Nobody forced you to put your hand up. What happened right then? You just listened to the inward witness. You just listened to the inward witness, and he just led you. Because it says in Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit himself bears witness or gives us peace with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's just one of many things he gives us peace about. So congratulations, you were just led by the Spirit of God right then and there. You had peace when I said that. You know, if you weren't saved, you wouldn't have felt peace and you wouldn't have raised your hand. Because you would have known that, no, that's not right. But the Spirit of God said yes. He said amen and gave you peace. And so you are led by the inward witness. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper talking about the inward witness. Let's look over at Colossians 3 in verse 15. So one of the main ways that he leads us is by the inward witness. Which we could say, another way to say that is the peace of God. He will lead us by his peace. Which is not necessarily words he's speaking to us, but it's a a feeling, if we could say that, on the inside. We know what's right and wrong on the inside. If you've been born again, when you do something wrong... What do you feel? Right here. You feel uncomfortable. You feel convicted. What's that? That is the Holy Spirit leading you by the inward witness. When you do something right and you're obeying God and you're making the right decisions, what do you have right here? The Spirit of God. You have peace because the inward witness is leading you through that. You follow me today? I know a lot of you have, have experienced that before, so it's easy to talk about here. So Colossians 3 and verse 15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. But notice the first part of this verse, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Another translation say, Let the peace of God be umpire. That's what it says in the Amplified, I believe. Let the peace of God be your umpire. So God wants to lead you, and the first way he leads you is by the inward witness, which is the peace of God. Everybody say the peace of God. He will lead you by the peace of God. Once again, we know when we do something wrong, we don't feel right right here. We don't. What is that? That is the inward witness telling us, no, that's not the right decision. When we do the right things, 
when we're obeying God, we feel peace right here. What is that? That is the inward witness telling us, yes, you're going the right way. You're doing the right thing. You're being led by the Spirit of God. So it says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God be umpire in your heart. Now, what does an umpire do? He says whether the pitch is in or is out. He says yes or he says no. He gives you that feeling of being uncomfortable or he gives you that feeling of peace. That's what an umpire does, and that's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do in our lives. He'll tell you, this decision, oh, it's out. It is way outside the batter's box, and that is way off. Or he'll tell you, no, that's right, that's right online, that's right. That's what an umpire does, isn't it? You know my favorite thing when the umpire goes, here, right? That's my favorite. That, that's my favorite line they say because they don't say strike. They say, here, right? And they do that with their, their arm like that. That's my favorite line. But you know the Holy Spirit does that? When it's off, he says, no, hey, whoa, it is off. When it's in, he tells you it's in. That's what an umpire does. And it says, let the peace of God do that in your life. Notice, let the peace of God. You have to let the peace of God do that in your life. Because once again, you're a, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way. Are you getting this today? I know I'm teaching a lot. I'm trying to explain this in a simple way for you. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God be the umpire of your life that will tell you whether it's in or it's out. Whether you have peace or no peace. Trust me, all of us are smart enough to know that feeling on the inside of us. And most of you have experienced that. If you've accepted Jesus, you know what's in and what's out. You know that. And God doesn't have to speak to you audibly for you to know that because you have the inward witness. God will speak to us by the inward witness. I said this before, I'll say it again. It's better to wait and know than guess and go. When you're making decisions based off the inward witness, it is better to wait and know than guess and go. Now, I'm saying that because a lot of times we'll jump into situations and you're like, I think I have peace. Maybe. I want to have peace. But you know you really don't have peace and you make a decision. It's better to wait and get clarity on that peace than jump into something and regret it. It's better to wait and know than guess and go. You didn't know I rapped on Sunday morning, but I do sometimes. So God wants to lead you by the inward witness, and he will lead you by the peace of God. And all of us in here can agree that we've experienced that before in your life. You've experienced that feeling of being uncomfortable when you made a wrong decision. That's not just your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. I know people try to dumb it down to make it sound different but it's not just a random feeling it's the spirit of god telling you it's off it's not just your conscience or just your body telling you something's wrong or your mind no it's the spirit of god saying no that's wrong or no you have peace here go with that so the spirit of god wants to lead us first of all by the inward witness and he does that by the peace of god Number two, the inward voice. Let's look over at 1 Kings. We're going to the Old Testament for a second here. 1 Kings and chapter 19. You guys getting something today? I know we're doing a lot of teaching here, but I just want to explain it. So hopefully give you some practical wisdom on how to apply this to your life. Second, or, I'm sorry, 1 Kings, not 2 Kings. 1 Kings 19. It might take you a second to get there. 1 Kings 19, and we'll start in a second in verse 11. So the number one way God leads you is the inward witness. The inward witness. The number two way that God leads you is the inward voice. And once again, this is not an exhaustive list of every way God speaks to you. Because God can speak to you any way he wants. But I'm saying these are the primary ways that God has revealed in his word, how he wants to speak to us. The inward voice. 
So, the inward voice, 1 Kings 19 in verse 11. Now, this is God speaking to Elijah. It says, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. But the Lord, notice, was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And verse 12, And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. A still, small voice. God speaks to us by the inward voice. Or 1 Kings calls it the still, small voice. This is one of the main ways that God will speak to you is the still, small voice. Notice those words, still, implying if we're moving all the time with distractions, I'm talking to myself here. I got cell phone issues too, just like you. All right, I'm going somewhere else. I'll remember that next Mother's Day for the gifts. Okay. Still small voice. Still implies you need to be still to hear the voice of God. Remember it says in Psalms, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. That means stop and be quiet and shut off the TV and turn off your cell phone, which none of us ever do. Don't look at me like what I'm saying is wrong. None of us ever do that. And that's why we don't hear the still small voice of God. Because you're not getting quiet enough to hear it. Notice if it's a still small voice, that means you got to be still, you have to get quiet, and you got to be close to hear a still small voice. He didn't say he was shouting at you. You got to be still and quiet and close to hear a still small voice. And that's one of the ways that God speaks to us is the inward voice. Once again, why can people hear at camp or conference or camp meeting? And the rest of the year they act like they can't hear from God because they get in a situation where they're still and they're quiet and they're close to God. And notice they have no trouble hearing God's voice. And God wants to speak to us by the still small voice, the inward voice. God will speak to us. He's always talking, but a lot of times we're not listening. The still small voice. And let me tell you something just personal. God, majority of the time when he talks to me in a still small voice, he's not talking in paragraphs. He's not talking in chapters. He's talking to me in little things I need to know. So don't expect to sit down and a whole novel is given to you about your life. Now, there can be something supernatural that happens like that, but most of the time it's just a word of instruction or an answer to questions you are having. But it's not long and drawn out. It's a still, small voice. God will lead you by the inward voice. When I was in middle school at summer camp in Texas, God told me, you will be a pastor. You're called to be a pastor. That's all he said. Nothing else other than that. What am I doing today at 29 years old? A week away from 30. I'm being a pastor. God didn't give me any other any more instructions about that other than you are called to be a pastor. He didn't give me a chapter. He didn't give me a novel. He didn't give me a, give me like a, a 20, uh, 200 page document about you're called to be a pastor. He gave me a sentence in a still small voice. That's the way God leads us. But notice in this chapter in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, like most of us, he was looking for something spectacular 
to hear the voice of God. And God doesn't do that. There are times that he does do that, but majority of the time he does not do that because it requires no faith. All of us in here want God to put our answers on a billboard on I-65. Go, God, I see you. Or write it in the clouds, God. Or part the Ohio River if I should do this. God does not work like that majority of time. Those are rare occasions where God does something spectacular like that. Why? Because it requires no faith from us to do that. But it requires faith for us to hear a still small voice and follow a sentence. And so a lot of us, trust me, we're looking for the spectacular. We're looking for signs in the clouds. We're looking for a Mother Mary to drip blood from her eyes. We're looking for, we're looking for a piece of toast to come out of the oven. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's in the shape of Jesus Christ. I should be called to the ministry. No, you burnt the toast, you idiot. It's not God talking to you. If the Ohio River parts, it's not God talking to you. And a lot of times, trust me, we're all like this. We want the spectacular and God to talk to us like that. But we're missing the still small voice. And that's the way he's talking to you. He does that by the inward voice. The inward voice, the still small voice. And it says in Kings that, notice Elijah was looking for him. Look, it says in, in the earthquake. He was looking for him in the wind. He was looking for him in the big and the spectacular. And it says it came as a still, small voice. A lot of times we look for the spectacular, but we miss the supernatural. Because we're not listening to the still, small voice of God. Because for all of us in here, we're not getting still, being quiet, and getting close to God. So we don't hear. You guys get something today. So God will lead you by the inward witness, but he will also lead you by the inward voice or the still small voice. He wants to talk to you, but you got to get close, still, and quiet enough to hear us. Once again, let's stop looking for the spectacular because we're missing the supernatural when God's speaking to us. I've been saved literally since I was a baby. Came out the womb saved. Yeah, just like John the Baptist. It was supernatural. I was just filled with the Spirit. I came out speaking in tongues as soon as I came out. No, but I've been in church. I've known God majority of my life. I've never heard the audible voice of God in my ears. But God has spoken to me many, many times. But notice he's not going to speak to these ears. He's going to talk to your spirit. So the inward witness, the inward voice, and last but not least, the word of God. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. We're making good time. It's 1130 here. Anybody getting some practical help today on how to hear the voice of God? The inward witness, the inward voice, and the word of God. This is probably the most overlooked one because we have it in our lap every day. You realize you have a hundred translation of this on your cell phone right now. And a lot of times we overlook this because we're familiar with it. The word of God. But God speaks to us through the word of God. Hebrews 4 in verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrows and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But notice it says the word of God is living and powerful. This word that we have on our cell phones and in our laps in whatever version we have is alive and it's full of power. There's no other book on the planet that's alive and full of power. How could this book be written thousands and thousands of years ago and still be more relevant than CNN and Fox News? It's because it's alive and it's full of power. And even though men wrote it down, God inspired, and it says he led those men by his spirit to pin what they pinned in the word of God, even to the choice of words written in 
this book, and it is a supernatural book. It is an alive book. It is a powerful book, and God wants to speak to you through it. It's alive and it's full of power. And the reason it is still relevant today and more relevant than ever, and it will never go out of style, is because it's God's words speaking to us. It's not just man's words. It's God's words speaking to us. And the third way God wants to speak to us or lead us is the word of God. The word of God is always speaking to you every day. The word of God is speaking to us and trying to teach us. But a lot of times we get familiar with it because we've had it. It's been in our house. We have multiple versions of it. We have it on our coffee table. We have it on our cell phone. We have a hundred different translations on our cell phone. We don't live in a country where we don't have the Bible, so we don't appreciate it. When there's other people in other countries like China, that they can get two pages of the Bible and they will read it every day from morning to night and cry and pray and weep because they're so thankful for just two pages of the Word of God. But this is what we do. Go to church, bring your Bible. Sunday after you get home from church. Week later, Sunday, time for church. Get home from church. Next week, Sunday from church. I've been reading this all week. No, I haven't. Coffee table. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I know it's hard to talk when there's somebody stepping on your toes at the same time. We all do it. Why? Because we're familiar with it. It's not precious to us. It's common to us. It's not a big deal because we have multiple translations of it. We have a Pokemon Bible. We have a fidget spinner Bible. We have, we have an ESPN Bible. We have a Women's of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Bible. We have a Women's Glow Bible. We have an NFL Bible. We have a modeling Bible. We have a little kids Bible. We have an elderly person's Bible. So we don't care. It's telling you the truth. And especially where we live in the part of the world we live, it's familiar. It's common. It's not a big deal when it should be a big deal. Because the third way that God wants to speak to us is the word of God. God is always speaking. You want to know a guaranteed way to hear God's voice every day? Open this up and read it out loud to yourself. That's not a joke. That's real life. You want to hear God's voice every day of your life guaranteed? Open this book and read it out loud to yourself because that is God's word speaking to you every day. You want a word from God? Get in this book. You want to hear the voice of God? Get in this book. You want God to speak to you? Get in this book. A lot of times we neglect this and this is the most important thing. God's word speaking to us. And I know we know this because we've experienced it before. As you could be reading in your Bible, and you could go from chapter to chapter to chapter, and it's nothing. You're just like, okay, don't get it. Doesn't make sense. And you're reading, and you're reading, and one verse jumps off the page, slaps you upside the head, and you're like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Guess what? That is the word of God speaking to you right then and there. I know we've all had experiences like this because majority of time when we read our Bibles, not every word is jumping off the page. But there is scriptures, and notice when, when that happens, it's God speaking to you and speaking to me when those words jump off the page. I mentioned this before, you know, some days you're putting the word of God in you so he can call it back to remembrance. And there's some days that we're reading through Leviticus and it makes no sense. We're in Ecclesiastes, and we're like, I'm depressed today. This is not the time to read Ecclesiastes or Lamentations. But then all of a sudden, a couple days later, a verse from Lamentations will come up to you, and it will be the words you need. How does that happen? God speaking to you. 
Because God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through his word. And I would say majority of the time God's trying to speak to us through his word, but we're never getting in it to hear the voice of God. So let me repeat these again. The, the three ways that I wrote down that God wants to speak to us, these are some of the most common ways. The inward witness, which would be the peace of God, the inward voice, the still small voice, and the word of God. God wants to speak to us through the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who helped men write this down. So it makes sense that the Holy Spirit would be the one to explain to us what it means. The Holy Spirit would be the one to bring up these words because he's the one who helped people write it. To bring those words back to us when we need them the most. And how many know since he's God, he knows what verse we need when we need it the most. He knows what scripture we need when we need to hear it. I love this. A.W. Tozer said the Bible is not a once spoken book, but it is a book that is now speaking. The Bible is not a once spoken book, but is a book that is now speaking. Last verse today, Proverbs 6 and verse 20. I appreciate you guys coming today. I know I had a lot to teach, but I wanted to get this in you today. Proverbs 6. And we're going to read in verse 20. So we are all learning to hear God speak and be led by his spirit. That's a promise for us as children of God that we can hear his voice and that he will lead us. Proverbs 6 and we're going to start in verse 20. Now, the context of this, he's talking about the word of God. Proverbs 6 in verse 20. It says, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Well, I don't know if I agree with that second part. <laughs> I'm okay with the first part, but the second part, uh, translators probably got in there and just messed it up. <laughs> Something like that happened. Uh, so he's talking about the word of God. In verse 21, it says, Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. Speaking of the word of God when you put it in you. Verse 22, when you roam, they will lead you. When you're going through your day, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. Come on now, this is a good verse. And when you awake, they will speak with you. Verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. But notice it says, speaking about the word of God, because a lot of times in the Old Testament, the word of God is referred to as the law of God. And he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments, he's talking about the word of God. It says, bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck, so keep them close to you. Keep the word of God close to you. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, notice, they will speak to you. That's a promise for the word of God. If you put it in you, that's what it's going to do in your life. It's going to lead you, going to keep you, and the word of God is going to speak to you. If we put this word in our life. So I'm convinced today God wants to speak to all of us in here. He wants to lead us like never before. And it's a promise in God's word that we should expect to hear God's voice. We should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. And I believe that this church can be a church who trains their ear and becomes proficient at hearing the voice of God. We're not going to just walk around like we don't know answers when the Spirit of God is talking to us. No. We're not going to be people or Christians who walk around like they don't know what to do because the Spirit of God is leading us. And I believe, trust me, if you put some of these things into practice that we talked about today, the inward witness, the inward voice, the Word of God, God is going to be speaking to you. And the thing is, you need to be looking for it and you need to be listening to hear it. 
you get something today? Well, I appreciate you guys coming this morning. And with this Holy Spirit series, I know that um, we've had a good time speaking about it. There's no way to fully tell the importance of how important the Holy Spirit is for us. But I feel like strongly that, you know, we've talked about many things over the past really five or six weeks about the Holy Spirit. But we're going to go on to something different after camp. A new series. So today's service will be the last one we talked about the Holy Spirit. But let's go back. Let's listen to these podcasts. Let's go back over your notes because there's, there's no way to express, even though I've tried to, in all these messages about the Holy Spirit in our life. We're going to be a church who's spirit-filled. Be a church who's led by the Spirit. We're going to be a church who honors the place of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because he's so important. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray today. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you for uh, the service today. Father, we thank you for uh, people uh, today being able to comprehend and receive what was said today. That, Father God, that you were uh, speaking to people even today during the service through me. I pray, Father God, that we would be sensitive to hear your voice and to listen. I pray, Father God, supernaturally that we would hear your voice like never before. We would be led by your spirit. That's a promise. And that, Father, that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us and speak to us like never before. And, Father, that we as a church family and individuals would put ourselves in a position to hear your voice. And, Father, we thank you for that. We appreciate what you're doing in us, what you're doing in our church. We thank you for it. 